From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly. I got to say, love the name Max. That's my my puppy dog's (laughs) name. Uh, Who have just recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. It actually makes learning pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I listened to this with my son, and it was so fun to listen to. I loved how modern it was with a cool ant that they really dug, and like they dealt with bullies. Uh, My son also enjoyed all the math involved. Like He thought it was really cool. Well, and I have to say, I love anything that brings learning and fun together for kids. I really, really wish that something like this was around for my teens when they were younger. We would have absolutely devoured this on our car trips. It would have been amazing. It's perfect for kids ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined by the lovely and wonderful Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? We have such the episode today because we talk a lot in No Guilt Mom about how we as moms want to feel more worthy. And, And we tell our moms in our community, you are doing so much. You are worth more than this. And so... When I read this guest's book and found this chapter, I was super excited. And who did we talk to? It's the anticipation. We were talking to Dr. Robin Silverman. She is a child and teen development specialist, and her national best-selling book is How to Talk to Kids About Anything, and she's the host of the podcast of the same name. She provides parents and educators with tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversation with kids easier, and we hope you enjoy our conversation with Robin. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Robin. We are so excited to have you here and talk about your book, which is on the USA Today list for a bestseller. Thank you for that. It is. I'm so excited and it's still weird to hear it from people who are interviewing me, like bestselling author, Dr. Robin Silverman. Like, oh my gosh, that's me. Yeah, no, it's been really exciting and the response has been amazing. It's just exciting that people actually want to read your book and are spreading the word. So yay. Yes. Yeah. And that stays with you forever. That's yes. an Instagram bio thing for the rest oh, of time. Oh, I changed you know, it. It's I changed it moment one. <laughs> I think I need to see it. I needed to see it in print. There it is. Yes. <laughs> That's my bio. <laughs> That's your bio. It's beyond excited. And then also on it to realize then that yes, people are reading it and that's really exciting for me, but it's also so exciting for the kids. The fact that people are reading it and responding to it and sharing it, that means that the kids get what they need. And that is the best news of all. 
They totally do. Yeah. And it really goes into what I want to discuss with you, this discussion about identity. Because mm-hmm. you saying I am a best-selling author is so different than what you talk about in your book about what you used to say to yourself mm-hmm. about I am stupid. Tell us about that story. It's funny because people, I think they think you're born with confidence and poise. No, I was so the awkward fifth grader. I put up a picture of me in fifth grade yesterday when I was presenting and it's like, oh God, you know, you're like, okay, I see what's going on here. I was bullied mercilessly in fifth grade. My brothers were always naturally smart, the kind of annoying siblings. I had that. I don't need to study. It just seemed, and or that was completely my perception, but it definitely seemed like my brother would go, my middle brother would go into his room, come back out half an hour later. And it's like, I'm done going to bed. And you're like, okay, I'm up until 2am. I thought I was stupid. And the I am statement, I find to be so important. I am stupid. I am ugly. I am lazy. I'm disorganized. All those things that we say about ourselves, we say often in our head, sometimes we say it out loud and our ears hear it mm-hmm. and then it gets reinforced. But also there's a feedback loop I talk about in my book where if we keep walking into a room wearing that cloak of I am, I am disorganized, I am lazy, I am ugly, all those things. Other people perceive it. Other people reinforce it. Oh, she's clearly lazy. Oh, she's clearly disorganized. She's a mess. And then it gets stronger and stronger. And at some point, the adult, the key adult in your life or several, I hope, has to break it somewhere along the line. Yes. And it's so hard to break it, especially in kids, because Mm -hmm. a lot of times those I am's really lurk underneath the surface and we're Mm -hmm. not able to see them very easily, Mm -hmm. but we see it in their actions, how they react to being asked to unload the dishwasher. And it's totally overblown, a stomp down the hall. And you're like, what? just happened. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no idea. Clearly I'm not, I picked the wrong person. Although I have to say my husband is so much better at the dishwasher than I am. And he almost is now. He's, Are you really, do you actually believe that you're not good at the dishwasher and that's why you're leaving it for me? And I'm like, listen, you switch everything around after I put stuff in. So why should I even bother with it? You're clearly the king of the dishwasher. I am not. So I'm going to oh, yeah. leave that. <laughs> yeah. For you, the expert with the dishwasher. But in fifth grade, I was bullied and I was ostracized from my class. And that really left an indelible mark, I would say, a hole. And the book is what fills it for me. It's a love letter to my younger self and all other kids who have been in a position, not just with bullying or toxic friendships, but certainly was my deal, but with all kinds of things, whether it was failure or body image issues or self-esteem issues, like you're mentioning from that chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like you were able to stick it to all those people in your book too. This is me writing nerd coming out because you say specifically, they could spell both the easy and hard words for their spelling quizzes on the first try. I could not. And then you go into the next sentence, extrapolating from my everyday perceived mediocrities. <laughs> I was that like, yeah, Robin. Get him. <laughs> hilarious. I did not pick up on that. And that is hilarious. We joke in my family. They're like, Robin, this book is very big. Yes, I am verbose. And only somebody who is <laughs> verbose would actually use that word because I... <laughs> Yes, I now have a voice and I now speak out and I use lots of different words. I had, the secret is that I had a writing coach 
who would read my chapters after I would write them because they would be 80 pages of this. And she just slashed things. That was her job was just slash, 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 save this for an article, move this to a different chapter. You already said this. And sometimes you need that. So I am verbose. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I need a little help to just reel that in. And I did. And now I'm really very proud of the book. It's an amazing, amazing book. And talking more about the identity, you have a story in there about your husband's grandfather yes. and how when you say I am, what it exactly means. Yeah. So my, my husband's grandfather was a hilarious person. He would come out with some very funny things. I still remember him saying something like, oh, he could make my grandmother would be like, hey, Jack, you got to get off your ass. He's like, well, I've got an ass and I'm going to use it. It just would be going back and forth. So at one point he was like, I'm so old. And of course, his wife of gazillion years, they were together for 75 years or whatever. She said, Ich bin is du bist, which it means where I am is you are, which the idea is what she explained to me. She would bake and we would sit and she would talk to me about all kinds of things. She's basically saying that Whatever is attached to the backside of I am is what you become. And I thought it was such a a really interesting way of putting things. That statement, so little, but can have such power. It's a declaration of your identity. So if you keep repeating the I am old in this case, or I am ugly, or I am not enough, which we hear a lot in different yep. ways, and, and people put all different words in for that, whatever they find to be not enough, then that gets reinforced. But if you put something that propels you forward and I am motivated and I am organized and I am a noticer, which we say to my son who just notices Mm -hmm. all these little things, then that becomes what is your truth. And that becomes reinforced by other people who are with you. Yes, that's true. It's so hard because I was reading your chapter about everything to do with kids and how to reinforce that in kids. And I realized Mm -hmm. I see the same thing in our generation too, how I wish we would have been raised with the same suggestions to point out specific points of our character and reinforce Mm. our character versus what the self-esteem movement really was in the nineties, where it was like, you're amazing. Here's a ribbon. (laughs) And we're all here. It feels hollow. Yeah, it's, it is important for it to be realistic and an actual reflection of the child's goals or the person's goals. Because I, when I'm presenting to parents and educators, often they tell me that this is information, just you were saying, that helps them. It, everything I do works on levels. It's what you take in for yourself, what you take in for your partner or the business partners, people you work with, and then how those people can then go on and work with kids or you're working with kids on these types of topics. I'll say we need to repackage something. I was speaking to educators yesterday and they deal with a lot of kids who have different types of neurodiversity and they feel they're not enough in all different ways because the world is made for people who are too typically developing. And so what do you do with a kid who's constantly telling them, I'm not as good as, you know, all of that, comparing themselves. And of course, they're doing the same thing. People give all kinds of negative descriptions 
for what they see. So I am bossy and I am shy or the parent who's, oh, he's real shy. Don't mind him. And I said, let's repackage this. I am bossy moves to I am assertive and assertiveness is really complimentary. And Mm -hmm. I am shy might be more, I am I am somebody who takes in my surroundings before jumping in. I really have to look before I jump, which is admirable. My son has ADHD and I say, you know how you notice everything. You're the finder of all lost things. If somebody lost their keys, you're the first one to jump up. You show me the sunset. You show me the moss on the ground. That is amazing. You're a noticer. And the same way that you notice things and that's amazing. In school, sometimes you notice things. He's, oh, why did I notice things when people are talking? And then he's, oh, now I get it. It's a superpower in that way. It's so funny because as soon as you said he's a noticer, the first thing that popped in my mind, I was, I wonder if he has ADHD. That's right. Because I have ADHD, my family has ADHD, and that is a superpower trait of it because you get so distracted because you notice all the little things in the world, but you can use that to your benefit. I really want to dig into the bossy comment and we're Mm going to do that right after we take a short break. Hey all, it is Joanne and Bree here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe. And it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street crack tracks, and my bike's tire, like, went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just, like, skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And (laughs) active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. 
Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. So you mentioned something about repackaging bossy. Mm. And that is a word that I take a specific thing against because bossy, I think, is used against all assertive girls to quiet them down. Mm -hmm. It is. It's a very gender loaded statement because you don't hear bossy used to describe boys. Mm -hmm. You really don't. It really is particular to women. And even when I talk about it with friends of girls, one friend who is a woman, she said that, oh, but she is being bossy. She's railroading over everybody's comments. And I'm like, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's re-examine this one a little bit. Mm -hmm. So my question for you is that when we see these comments and when we see our kids identifying themselves as these things, And we do jump in and be like, oh, no, that's assertive. What do we do when they turn back at us and they're like, no, mom, you don't know what it is. No, Mm -hmm. mom, I am. Mm -hmm. I am this way. How do we deal with that? So I feel like we need to unload it a little bit. The bossy and all of those types of comments about people Mm -hmm. that sum them up in one word can be destructive. First of all, it can make it so you don't have to do anything about it. I am bossy on them, then I'm done. Now there's nothing you can do about it. But it also, you know, as I mentioned, it's you wear a cloak and everything that you do, you walk into, that is how you have to be because that's what it's expected of you. And people think of you that way. So they're already going to pre-regard you as that before you even start talking. Let's unpack all of these terms that we say to people. What we were saying with shy, this person likes to notice things and they like to take everything in before jumping in. This is more descriptive of what actually is going on. In the same way, when you're talking about somebody who's bossy, they may be assertive And they may need some help with their social skills. And that's okay Mm. because we can do something about the latter part. The early, if we just say you're bossy, that now we're done, right? So can we say, I really like that you're able to communicate your feelings and your thoughts and what you would love to do next. I think being assertive about what you want is very important skill. Sometimes we have to watch the tone of the way we say that. So let's practice the tone of the way we say that. And maybe even the way that it's packaged. Can we ask a question? Can we give people choices? These are now social skills we're working on. So if somebody Mm -hmm. walks into a situation and there's a child who wants to play hide and seek, or they really don't like playing tag and they're not in the right shoes and they're like, we're going to play hide and seek, might sound bossy. But if you're teaching that child to come over and be like, 
hey, I would love to play with you. Do you think we can either play hide and seek or we can go on the swings? How do you take that in? Or if they say, well, we're playing tag. Oh, well, after you're playing tag, I'm really not in the best shoes. Would would it be okay if we did this? Now you're teaching them a social skill, but they're still getting what they want. So unpack the term, get descriptive, and then you can help your child as well as yourself. I love that. I This idea about unpackaging them, unpackaging their innate strengths mm-hmm. versus the social skills they need to learn. That is mind blowing to me because it describes something that I saw in my own childhood where with my dad, who was completely well-meaning and very concerned about me, I would tell him when in social events, I'm like, dad, I'm shy. I can't go up there. I can't go up there. And I obviously he did not have this research behind him. So no fault to him for saying this, but he's like, Joanne, everyone's going to think you're a snob (laughs) that you're not going to go talk to them. and looking back at that situation now, I see it was really two separate things. It was that I was evaluating the, the circuit, the yes. like area, the environment. And I really needed some social skills onto how to approach people That's the right, right way right. and how to start conversations without yes. feeling that I'd get rejected. Immediately. I think it's awesome that you're figuring this out and what a beautiful way of saying it because people are hearing it right now. And they're like, thank you for just summing up exactly what I need to do. In the book, I have a section on six ways to enter a group. I have, you know, how to start these types of relationships. But if I had been back then and talking to your dad at a party and I happened to be there and he's like, well, what do you do in this situation? I would have been trying to help you to find one person in that room that you felt looked approachable, or I would have Mm, backtracked mm -hmm. it knowing that you were going to be going to that party and seeing if there was somebody that you could meet before, which is something that I recommend for new schools. When you move into new situations, we moved to a totally different state. That was something that I did with my own kids where you meet one person person in an easy setting, a neutral setting. We were at a coffee shop and allow them to get to know each other in a quiet way because my kids aren't necessarily the ones who are going to boom through the door. And my son is certainly more quiet. So you can help in those types of ways. And I think when you're saying unpack those kinds of things, a lot of people weren't parented in this way. And again, it's no fault of your dad or my mom or anybody who was in this situation. They didn't even have a template for any of this stuff. But sometimes we do need to reparent ourselves in that way. I feel like when our parents were parenting us, that was the age of just throw them in the deep end. That's right. Like, oh, you need to learn how to dive? I'm going to push you off the high dive and you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yes. That, yes I feel like that, that was, the, it was the age of just throw uh, you in the deep end and they'll figure it out. That's right. And yes. we have learned so much now. Yes. <laughs> and in some so ways much. they did things All really well, but I know. <laughs> we're like, we're the, in the 80s, just stuff your feelings down into your right foot. Put a smile on your face. Wash your face. Go out. Do your thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and come back when the lights go on. And that's that. Yeah. Growing up in that age, it's like, oh, you're in third grade. You can turn a deadlock. Okay, yep. great. Then you know what? Yep. You just stay home. It's all good. You just get yourself yep. on We're the bus, out. get yourself dressed. I'm going shopping. Yeah. 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 Out with my friends. We'll be back on Saturday. It's yeah. all good. It's all good. There's frozen, yeah. there's frozen pizza and hot pockets in that freezer. Yeah, that's right. You're totally oh my good. gosh. <laughs> 
my kids would kill for frozen pizza and hot pockets in the freezer all the time. Yeah, and Jiffy Pop popcorn. You just put it right on the stove. Hey, the latchkey kid, I, I, my, my parents would be home in the morning. I'd be like, I'm going to have ice cream for breakfast. And it's healthy because it has dairy. <laughs> there you go. That's <laughs> thinking. That's your using your in. noggin. Yes. It's so true. Well, it's funny. Something that I see that sums up this whole parenting from the 90s is people who justify their responses to their kids, such as like, oh, my parents yelled at me and I turned out oh, fine. Yeah. Um, you're like, did but, you? Did you really? So, yes. Are you fine? Yes. Are you okay? Like, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about this a little bit. It's so good. Let's talk about the spanking, how you just lived in fear the mm-hmm. whole day, could not think of anything else, knowing mm-hmm. that you would get a spanking when you got home. Like and just that, the shame that was attached to it. But they, I, I do not fault them for it. It's just that they no. didn't have this research that says mm-hmm. that it's damaging and they didn't have, this is what the template was. That this is what their parents did. This is the, the tool that they were given for yep. discipline. Now we know differently, but it's still for many people very hard to switch because that's what they know. And they're still, a lot of people are still nervous because they feel if I do these other ways, are is my kid going to become out to, you know, lackadaisical or mm-hmm. they're just going to ignore me. And it's hard to change. It's hard to change, especially yeah. when you think this is what worked for me and I'm a successful person. Exactly. What I see in my own parenting, because I raise my kids to be very aware of their feelings, because I've gone through anxiety. I've been diagnosed with severe anxiety, Mm -hmm. all those things of stuffing feelings down. And my kids also have anxiety. Mm -hmm. But I see a real good introspection happening in them where they can step back after the situation, after their downstairs brain goes wild and it's flinging things from the corner. And they're like, yeah, this upset me. And here's why it upset me. So equipping kids with those that emotional vocabulary, equipping kids with knowing their strengths, I think it just powers mm-hmm. them forward for the future. And I love your yes. book, Robin, because you have so many things you can say to your kids because yes. that's often where we get in trouble. We're like, I have no idea how to handle this situation. I don't know what to say. Yeah, you guys were just saying our parents didn't know it, so they didn't practice mm-hmm. it on us. So mm-hmm. we're not, we don't have those experiences that we can reflect back on and be like, well, this really worked well. Mm-hmm. So a yes. lot of times we know the concepts are there, but we just don't even know how to use them. Yes, yeah. I, I think you're right. I could just remember my, my my mom handing me tissue after tissue when I'd be crying about the bullying situation, not knowing what to say. The teachers didn't know what to say. And going into you know the sex conversation, my mom handed me a book. She's like, do you have any questions? I'm like, no. And <laughs> the, you know, the, just all, all the different things that you think you could have been talking about. We just didn't. So now I'm very purposeful about it, making mm-hmm. sure and all the conversations in here, I made sure I was having as well, whether it was about money or about friendship or bullying or death, which you know is the one that happens very much over a period of time. Uh, a lot of parents think if they say something, the child is automatically going to be starting to think in these certain ways. Oh, my mom talked to me about sex. Now I'm going to go have it. My mom just talked to mm-hmm. me about suicide. And now I'm, oh, yeah. now I'm thinking about it. it. It actually is the opposite of what happens because the research tells us that when parents do talk about all these things, kids are much less likely to engage in risky behavior. So that's what we want. And the research also says that kids want to talk to their parents about it because they want the trusted 
information from somebody who's not going to make fun of them, not going to give them the wrong information. And if we don't, then you're leaving it to somebody else, the kid in the back of the bus, the TikTok influencer that maybe not having your best interest in mind. We got to do it. Exactly. I'm excited to hear, Robin, what is coming up for you that you are excited about. And we're going to get your answer right after this break. You have probably heard me talk about my dog, Addie, before. And when we first got her, we didn't know that she was a counter surfer. Now, counter surfing animals are the ones who jump on counters, especially kitchen counters, when you're not looking and take stuff off of them. Well, in this instance, Addie had jumped onto the kitchen counter and eaten an entire bottle of my other dog's pain medication. You can imagine the freak out that ensued from me. So imagine this. You're at the vet's office again, knowing that vet care costs continue to rise. You're anxiously waiting to hear how expensive the bill will be. But If you had pet insurance, your pet could be covered for accidents or illnesses. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care that they may need. They allow you to customize the plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself... What is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So Robin, what is coming up for you that you're really excited about? Mm. Right now, I've been touring uh, for my book. So that has been super exciting. And I have on November 2nd, I have one up in my old haunts where I was from in New Jersey. So I am going to be seeing so many people that I haven't seen in so long. I've started getting messages from all kinds of people. So it's at this place called Words Bookstore in Maplewood, New Jersey. And it's super cute. I actually was there four or five years ago when Debbie Reber's book, Differently Wired, came out. Uh And I was her in conversation partner. And now she's mine. So that is so exciting. Oh, like flipped it, you know, flipped the tables. And so now I'm going to be seeing all these great people and Debbie Reber and doing it at this amazing bookstore. Maplewood's super cute with all kinds of shops and stuff. So 
I'm really looking forward to it for so many reasons, uh, but I'm touring all over. It's so much fun. I'm having the best time seeing people who are like, I read your book and they're holding it up. Oh my gosh, you actually have my book. You're holding my book. You, you read my book. It. And they're like underlining and highlighting things or they're like, hey, I used something you wrote in here. And I'm like, that's so cool. Let me just- That's amazing. <laughs> that is actually the response though, because you're like, is. this in your brain. Yes. And when you see it out, in people's hands and you're like, wait, wait, you like this? You, I wrote that and I was in the chair behind me in my pajamas with the hair on top of my head and I'm writing and I'm like, why am I doing this? It's so hard, <laughs> you know, because so you get writer's block sometimes and you just, you, you start to doubt yourself and then you push through yeah. as you do and you get done and then all of a sudden it's out in the world. It's yeah. an amazing experience. And it's been really fun That's meeting amazing. people who've been following me and reading my book. Well, stuff. I'm going to keep that town of Maplewood in the back of my mind because that sounds like a town I, I want to visit. I was just saying. Like, well, it's so charm. cute. We, yes. don't, we don't have that out here in Arizona. We don't have Arizona. that out here in no. Arizona. I'm starting to feel like, <laughs> man, whenever we talk to you all from the East Coast, I'm like, oh, it's so neat. I love the fact that it's so quaint yes. and lovely. And it's all yeah. close. I love yes. that. Yeah. Yes. You have to come visit us in North Carolina too. Right now I'm here, there and everywhere, but there's a lot of really cute places all over the place now down in, in this part too. I have family well, in I North like Carolina. That. I need to go out there and go visit them. Oh, they're, they're, they clearly like to come out here coffee. though. I'll be excited for you to come. Right. We'll hang out. We'll have coffee. Yes. Robin, it's been so good talking to you. Thank you for coming on the podcast and everybody go and get Robin's book, How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Thank you so much. So after our conversation with Robin, after we stopped recording, we were on for a good, what, 45 minutes? Oh my gosh, yes. Talking all the things. She's like the best friend that you didn't know you had. She's right there. And oh my gosh, I wish that we lived, you know, a little bit closer than three three time zones away. Just gonna say. All the East Side towns though, she was talking about, I really want to go. Tree-lined streets. And I imagine drinking a cup of cappuccino with these cute little bookstores. I've it seen very Gilmore European Girls in my head. Gilmore Girls was actually filmed in Burbank. I was on the set when I worked at Warner Brothers. And yeah, so it's all Burbank. But it California, has, that, but it it has like- that East. Well, obviously it does because it's supposed to be based in the East Coast. And it's funny yeah. because having grown up in the Midwest, we have that kind of look. We at Living, especially at going to smaller towns where I... I went to college. We have that look. The West, Southwestern United States where we're at, very, very different, very hard to conceptualize unless you've been here. And it's gorgeous, but it's completely different. Whole different country, it feels compared to. It is. Yeah. Block buildings and nothing's older than 1920. And all the rocks. (laughs) It's rocks. It's not a lot of green. Again, being in the desert Southwest, but sunsets here. The sunsets here rival the leaves changing on the East Coast. Totally. But we digress. Robin, new bestie. We're new bestie. We are there. It's so funny because I have work being done on my basement right now. And right before we were about to get on, they were sawing through walls, sawing through walls. And my my office is right next to the basement. So I heard that. And I'm thinking, this is not going to (laughs) work. I actually had to kick out the plumber from my house. We talked about in the episode, way to be assertive. I was assertive. Yes. I was like, so Steve, Steve it is. (laughs) And I initially just asked him if he could do something quieter. Well, (laughs) and he did. I do got something that's really quiet. (laughs) I could get out and go to this other job. I'm like, 
Cool. I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah. Steve. Thank you so much. Come back later. <laughs> it works for everybody. It and it was assertive, not bossy. And it was. See, I was assertive. Well, I was thinking, I was actually reading a chapter in her book about you're being, you're worthy. And she talks yeah. specifically about how our kids can get into these whiny behaviors where they like stomp around and they're passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I used to get into those behaviors as well. But she says with kids specifically stopping it and not seeing it as them needing attention as a bad thing, Mm -hmm. but seeing it as, okay, they need to ask for this attention instead of having it displayed in this way that's making everybody mad. Mm -hmm. So the script she says is, you are worth it. You're worth asking this question of me. Ask me to spend time with you. Ask me for what you need. Your needs are worthwhile to me. And so I was reading that and like, I heard that and my needs are worthwhile. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I went over and talked to him about doing something quieter. I love that. I love that. Her book helps her in that specific situation too. So if you haven't gone to grab her book, go out and grab her book. We have a link in the show notes here. Get her book. It's fantastic. And remember, the best mom's a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.